Okay, Tov, good morning, live from Los Angeles. This is Rabbi Eris Sherman and Rabbi on the Sidelines. This morning, we are joined live from Jerusalem by Tamir Goodman, the Jewish Jordan. Tamir, it is so good to see you. How are you? Thank you. Everything is going well. Thanks for thinking of me, my friend. Always, always. It's good to see you. Almost a little over a year ago, we got to uh, meet in person in the uh, Mamilla Hotel in Yerushalayim. And one day, God willing, as well, back in Jerusalem. Um, we are going to hop right in where we discuss the intersection of sports and faith. Over the last couple of weeks, we've heard more on the sports topic than the faith. Often our guests, mostly ESPN analysts, tell us... Um, you know what? I'm not really religious. I'm not really spiritual. But deep down, they have these stories where there is faith that they might not if you would share on TV. Your story is a bit different in that the faith came out not necessarily over the sports, but literally next to the sports. How do for faith and sports intersect within your own life? So I, I know grew we're up in a family. I, I grew up in I know there are some technical difficulties that we're having in Israel, coming from Israel. Um, Tamir, can you hear us? And a family. Sorry about this. That's okay. Faith is really everything. It's always been everything. Judaism, I believe that Judaism wants us to unite the physical with the spiritual. I feel like God is our greatest supporter and our greatest coach and wants us to live our best and most meaningful and happy life. And the Torah is kind of like the, the coach's guide to make that happen. And um, I don't think that Judaism is a religion where we're supposed to like run away from our dreams and aspirations. I think that Judaism wants us to fulfill our dreams and aspirations and uh, gives us like I said, the blueprint and the guideline, how to do that in, in the best and most meaningful way. So for me, that just happened to be my faith took away from my basketball. I always felt like my Right, so you said your faith didn't faith take away from a better basketball player. Actually, I'm going to take us back to 1999. I was a senior in high school. I believe you were the same. And Sports Illustrated came out with an article about you, February 1999. My coach, I didn't go to a Jewish high school. Um, there was a Jew, me, and there was a Seventh-day Adventist on my team as well. And the coach handed me that Sports Illustrated and said, who is this kid? What's this all about? And knowing that you were making a difference, not just in the Jewish world, but in fact, in the basketball world, take us back to that moment where Sports Illustrated decides to feature you. What did that mean in the basketball world and bringing the faith and sports world together? Well, they came to watch me play. I was playing for a local yeshiva. And then they said that they were going to put a four-page article about me. And um, I think it was a preview to the Super Bowl edition. And I knew that millions and millions of people were going to um, see this magazine. So they sent an NBA photographer to our house. And he asked me to start shooting around in the backyard. He asked me to dunk. He asked me to do a couple of things. And I was doing it, taking pictures. And then I said to him, I said, you know, I know that millions of people are going to see this article and it's really not about me. It's really about Israel. It's really about the Jewish people. It's really about uniting people and inspiring people. And that's what I'd like to do. So he said, how can you do that? And even though it was the afternoon and I'd already prayed that day, I took him down to my room and I took out my tefillin and I put him back on. And I took out my prayer book and I said, well, this is how we pray in the morning. 
and he took a picture. And I would guess I'm the first person to be featured in Sports Illustrated with my tefillin on, nicknamed uh, Jewish Michael Jordan. So that's how it happened. <laughs> and that was and just I one this right back there. <laughs> that's amazing. And what was the impact on that on Talmudic Academy? You just told me before off the air that it brought so much attention to Talmudic Academy that they, in fact, had to shift their uh, focus away from basketball. Take us into Tacoma Academy. How did you find the Seventh-day Adventist school to end your high school career? And what was the impact that it had on you? But also, what was the impact it had on them? Yeah, like the media. I recently saw. I recently was in touch with a lead leading PR expert in America. He has one of the biggest PR firms in America. And he said, I just want to let you know that other than Allen Iverson, Wilt Chamberlain, and I think LeBron James, he's like, there's never been an, another player, a high school player with as much media attention uh, like I had. I had. There was one week where I had over 700 media requests in one week. So it was literally a fire hazard for us. The gym could only fit like two or 300 people. And there's like, thousands of people get into the gym and it was just such a distraction to the school that the school find asked me to find a school that could better accommodate me and then Tacoma Academy reached out they were seventh-day Adventist school um, they don't play basketball on Shabbat either and their gym could seat 5,000 people and they are accustomed to dealing with the media they told me that I wouldn't need to take um, any Christian classes there was Christian prayer before every class but that I would be able to study with the rabbi instead and that's what I did I studied with mm-hmm. the rabbi every day and I went to Christian school and it was a tremendous experience um, on and off the court until today. I'm very close with some of my former teammates and teachers um, in that school. What was the reaction from the Jewish community with an Orthodox Jew going to a Christian school? Was there any backlash and how did you deal with that? I think I kind of remember some people um, giving my mother a little bit of a hard time um, at the supermarket and stuff like that. How dare you send your son to Christian school, but my parents always, um, you know, they were always the best, full of unconditional love, and they always supported me, and um, I eventually, after doing well at the Christian school, and uh, continuing to keep Shabbat, and and not, and, and then, you know, giving the scholarship back to Maryland, which was all during the same time period, some of those same people uh, actually apologized to my mother, and, um, mm. you know, everybody has their unique mission, Everyone has their own way and everyone's, you know, soul is brought down to this world. And mine was kind of in, a, uh, I guess, not such a typical way for a Jewish <laughs> basketball player. But thank God and sometimes, if that meant having to go through a Christian school, then that meant having to go through a Christian school. So, so before you gave really back. Well. Before you gave back the scholarship to Maryland, you had to get it. Not many young people even get a basketball scholarship to Maryland. When did you realize that, number one, you had this opportunity to play at a high level? And how take us through first the process of getting that scholarship with Gary Williams. So I think this, well, when I was nine years old, my, my coach, Coach Katz, told my mother that I was going to be a Division One player, that, that I was going to get a full scholarship. Um, but I want to say the summer of 10th grade when I got inf- invited to my first invitational camp after a week there, I felt like um, these were supposed to be the best players in America. And I felt like God had blessed me with as much talent, you know, to be able to compete with these players. So why can't I play Division One basketball? And then in 11th grade, I was ranked the 25th best player in America. 
I was averaging almost 40 points a game and started to get a lot of scholarship offers. And then when they, and they offered me, um, that was like, I was very excited about that opportunity because they were my favorite team and I wanted to stay close to home. And that was a really great opportunity. And how did the Shabbat conversation come about before we had, before you realized that it wasn't going to work? Were they originally accommodating? Look, th- this week we had the ACC tournament, ACC tournament coming up, you know, right away. How first did you see an avenue that it could work? Yeah, I, I told them right off the bat before I committed to them that I wasn't going to be willing to play on Shabbat. Uh, originally, they said that they would do everything they could to accommodate me. Um, but as time came closer for me to actually play at Maryland, they brought me into the office. I was already playing with the players and open runs and stuff in the summer. And they said, you know, you could stay and play or you have a scholarship. You know, you have a scholarship. But based on how we see things moving forward and how we project you, we decided that if you want to stay, you're going to have to play on the Sabbath. And I said, thank you, guys. I love this team. Love it. I'm Jewish and Shabbat's more, more important well to me. And I gave them back the scholarship and it worked out really well for them. They won the national championship. It worked out really well for me because I got to go to Towson who managed to change the entire schedule for me so that I was play, able to play division one without playing on Shabbat. And I'm still in really good terms with a lot of those uh, players that were on the team and the coaching staff till today. So it all worked out really well. So I want to bring in a video, something that you quoted that I absolutely love. And then we'll talk about this. So let's watch this. <laughs> You know, you could have had a national championship ring. You know, after you win the championship, you get like that really famous ring. And, and I tell them, I, I'm not upset about my decision because every year there's a new basketball champion. Someone else is going to win the championship and some other team is going to get that ring. And the ring changes every year. But the Shabbat ring, it lasts forever. It never changes. So I'm, I'm proud that I made that decision. And I'm especially grateful that Towson University, it's a Division One school, called me up. Um, they heard what had happened to me at Maryland. And they I love that analogy of the Shabbat ring, right? That it, it's there forever. Pretend, and I know you not you don't pretend, you actually do this. Speaking to young people that often do have to make a choice between Shabbat or Judaism or religion and basketball. How do you explain to them that, number one, you can do both at a high level? And number two, when you do make a choice, sometimes that Shabbat ring can be more important than basketball. Yeah, I actually think it's easier... Uh, I think the world is now realizing what a blessing Shabbat is, how important it is to focus on our soul, focus on our family, focus on uh, why we're here, what's our relationship with God, how can we refine ourselves, um, how can we take a break from things that we're inundated with throughout the entire week. You see, I hear and I see a lot of even non-Jewish people that are trying to celebrate Shabbat now. So. It's ultimately a blessing. It's a blessing for ourselves and for our family and for our souls. And it's it's Shabbat's given to us because each and every us, each and every one of us is very important. And God cares for us, and God knows what's best for us. And you know, by taking a break over the weekend and, and focusing inside out instead of outside in, it's it's a blessing. And it and it just you know, when when we're done praying we should feel on top of the world. We should feel like we could accomplish our goals. We should feel empowered to to overcome our internal struggles. Um, We should feel like we're more patient, that we're more confident, that we're more loving, that we're, you know, better fathers, better husbands, mothers, whatever it is. It's like being able to do that uh, on Shabbat and and focusing on these energies. it's, it's, It's a blessing that carries over through the rest of the week. So it's like, it's not taking us away from anything. It's just empowering us 
to, to live our best and, and happy life and, and achieve our dreams in a healthy way. So um, I think the world is starting to realize that. And it's like a hidden secret that the Jewish people have known for many years. And, and they say, like, if it wasn't for Shabbat, the Jewish people probably, it's, it's what united us, it's what empowered us, and um, it keeps us in, in a really healthy place. So one of those people that you really had an impact and had an impact on you, you met at the Capitol Classic back in 1999. We're going to show a little clip of that as you were the 25th best high school um, senior in that year, and then we'll talk about this. My name is Michael Sweetney. Just wanted to share my experiences with Tamir. Uh, it was amazing to play with him and also not only just play with him, just meet him as a person, as a friend. And, you know, pretty much get to know him pretty much going on 20 years of friendship now. So it's been amazing. I think for me in my first time, you know, actually meeting Tamir and actually just pretty much wanted to see him play. You hear of all the, you know, you see all the, all the articles and, the, you know, the, the clippings and stuff like that. So pretty much where we're from, where you consider, you know, the D.C., Baltimore area, it's all connected in a way. It's one of those things like, you know, no matter what, people always want to see for themselves. So one of those people was Mike Sweetney. Um, tell me about the beginning of your relationship with Mike and uh, how you became, if you wish, Chavruta partners. Yeah. Basically, you know, the week before... Um, the Capital Classic, which was like such a big all-star game for the best players in the country. Uh, we got to train together. The players got to train together, um, which was in a lot of ways the coolest thing because you hear about all these players and, and here you are for a week straight getting to practice against the best players in America. You know, it was a really cool opportunity. And, you know, me going into the Capital Classic, there was so much hype, so much media. Who knows what the players read about me or heard about me? And it was it was such a crazy story. And yet I can remember on the first day of uh, practice at some point, the coach broke us up and said, you know, shoot around, like grab a partner. We're shooting, you know, one person rebounds, one person passes out for shots. And Mike was, was my partner. You know, he, he welcomed me right away, you know, and he just made me feel so comfortable right away. And I had already heard about him and I knew what kind of great player he was. So I was like, Oh, this awesome player is like being so nice to me. This is, this makes me feel really great. It was a great feeling. And, that feeling has now continued for over 20 years where we've had a really great friendship and he was able to come to camp last year um, in Jerusalem and uh, just so thankful for our friendship and our relationship and um, looking forward to many, many good, many more good years of friendship and doing good things together. So you actually introduced me to Mike and he came to Sinai Temple for a Shabbos. He came here for a couple of days at camp. Um, and this is what he had to say about you when he came to Sinai Temple. second sorry for the delay okay we can't get that sorry about that but um you can hear me right yeah it's just nice to see him he i just love him and 
he's just such an amazing guy and his whole family. We're, we're just like one big family. So, okay. Well, rabbi on the sidelines, Tamir is a place where we get family together. So we're excited that today he's joining us as well. I love you. I love, love him. Love his family. So proud of him. Man. Good to see yeah. you. Good thing, so, uh, Tamir introduced me to Mike, and uh, we know you know there's lots of troubles in these world, but I'm from Syracuse, and when a Syracuse orange person and a George Hanhoy can get together, <laughs> bishalom and peace in a shul in a synagogue, um, then there's there's good stuff happening here. So, Mike, <laughs> I'm gonna go to Mike and tell us a little about Tamir and how he has impacted you and that Israel piece, that piece I was gonna bring up. Uh, you said, you know, when Tamir invited you to Israel, your wife said that you needed to call the State Department before going. What was that experience like going into Tamir's world in Israel? Um, it, it was it was amazing um, because, um, like I said, you know, beforehand, like you said, you watch the news and you hear all these things about Israel. You know, being, being honest, I was kind of like you know uneducated about it in a way, and um, being able to go there was uh, was life changing. Um, I never forget. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. If Tamir remembers this. As soon as I landed, and as soon as we got got to the hotel. Tamir immediately took me to the Western Wall. And um, it was like one of these outer body experiences that I never felt before. And um, it was just life changing, just life changing, just visiting the Western Wall, just being around and being in Jerusalem. Uh, we went up north and just the whole life in general was just amazing. And just, you know, you see this place that they, they, they assume is so dangerous, it's far from it. You see kids late at night outside playing by themselves, kids going to the stores. I'm sure I don't know what Tamir does in that, but he probably sends his kid to go to the store. They play by themselves. Whereas in the states, there's no way I'm sending my kids to the store by themselves or playing outside without me, you know, some type of supervision. So it just shows that you know it was far from a dangerous place. It was amazing. I had a great, great time, and uh, honestly, I can't wait to go back with my family this time. So Tamir, take us through uh, not just Mike, but the players that you have brought to Israel and what that's meant to uh, having sending them back here as ambassadors to the Jewish people in Israel. How did you get into that, and what does that mean to you? Well, I just I've been blessed in my life through through basketball to meet people from so many different types of backgrounds and form such amazing relationships. What, what good does it do if I just keep it for myself, right? So now we're having some technical difficulties there. Mike, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. <laughs> I guess it's the sweet new shirt. Come here, go for it. Yeah, just, you know, love bringing people together, and basketball's been a great way to, to do that. So I just felt, you know, I'm an Orthodox Jew that graduated from a predominantly African-American Christian school, and I roomed with a Muslim basketball player in college, and I played with people from all over the world. And, you know, so that's the holiness of basketball, and the more I could do it, the more I feel like that's one of the reasons I was given basketball in the first place. So whenever I'm involved in a camp or involved in, I always try to, to bring people together, inspire people. There's always charity initiatives involved. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the holiness of basketball. Actually, last week I had Seth Greenberg on the show, ESPN college analyst. And he said, you have your synagogue. I have my locker room. He talked about the locker room being a sacred space. Maybe you can expand on that, what that looks like based on what you just said um, in terms of charity initiatives. What does that look like in your program? What are the tzedakah pieces that when you bring kids together on the court, you then take them off the court and do bigger things? 
Yeah, so like we always, first of all, try to bring kids um, to, you know, we usually bring kids that have never even been on an airplane before in their life. We bring kids from all different types of backgrounds. We bring them to Israel, and now they could meet Jewish kids. Jewish kids could meet other kids from other cultures that they probably would have never, never met in their life if it wasn't for basketball. And now they be, they become friends forever just through the game, you know. So that's like a, a really important thing. And then, you know, while every year in camp, like, we do things. Like, so last year when the, um, the, the Moshav burnt down, the Karabakh Moshav burnt down, for example, mm-hmm. So we found out that the kids were displaced from their homes. They were living in like uh, temporary living. So we like donated two baskets for the kids while they were waiting for their houses to be rebuilt so that they could have two basketball hoops. We came down there, we did a clinic for them. Uh, We every year work with special needs kids. Everything that we could do through basketball to help people, inspire people, bring people together, we try to do that at at camp and stuff. I try to do everything. And actually sending Mike back here with the Israel Connection. One year ago today, I was with Mike Sweetney at the APAC Policy Conference. Um, Mike, take us to that moment when you all of a sudden see 20,000 people. I think that's the last gathering of 20,000 people we had in this country. APAC Policy, United, uh, United States-Israel relationship. Uh, actually, it was last year on that Monday night. I brought you to the rabbi's, um, the rabbi's dinner. Right. And you walked in and I know you, you said you were nervous. What's it going to look like? All of a sudden the rabbis flocked to you like you're Mike Sweetney. Right. Mm-hmm. What was that moment like being embraced by the Jewish community at the APAC policy conference? Well, um, it was awesome. Man. It was a great experience. But also, too, I think a lot of people wonder why was I there? Because actually why you was in the actual championship game that day. And uh, Coach Elliot Stamos is like, look, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. You better take it and go. Uh, so he gave me his blessing to go there to APAC. But um. It was, it was, it was, it was nervous. Cause um, for me, you know, obviously I just didn't know what to expect to be honest with you. I didn't know how it was received and how, what it was. And honestly, it was, a, it was an amazing, amazing feeling to, you know, have people come to you and talk to you and want to pick your brain and talk. And um, I think just the respect level, um, I think, you know, I guess the upbringing, I guess Tamir mentioned too, about, you know, about, you know, the way he was raised and the upbringing of your parents, just showing you how to just love everybody, no matter what your race, color, religion, whatever it is. We're all human beings at the end of the day. So that's the feeling that I had. And obviously, I'm not, you know, I'm not Jewish, but they, they didn't care about that. It was just like, hey, you're a person. We, you know, we want to pick your brain, we want to talk to you, we want to show you love, you know, you know, teach you things about Judaism and things like that. It educated me. So just it was just an amazing, amazing, fun experience. You know, not I mean just it was just it was, it, was a, it was a great time. It was a great, great time. So but that rabbi then was actually I ate a lot of good food too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I think I made myself sick because I ate so much good food, but it was amazing. <laughs> um, and let's go to the Yeshiva University phenomena. First, Tamir, right? If YU had the great basketball team like they had now, 20 years ago, would that have been an option on your table? And now players are forgoing going to other universities because YU is so good, Yeshiva University. I'm proud that my dad actually was an alum there and played there in the late 60s. Um, first, Tamir, and then to Mike. Tamir, what do you think of this whole YU phenomena that observant Jews are going to a place where they can do both and don't have to play on Shabbat. Hold on, let's get to that. Come just say hi for one second. Matanel just wants to say hi, Mike, for one second. That's my buddy. Where's he at? What's up, man? <laughs> How's it going? Good. God, he's big, man. <laughs> you yeah. up fast, man. Hope to see you soon, buddy. I'm seeing your videos, too, also. I can't wait to, wait, can't wait to get our one-on-one game again. I don't think I forget the last one-on-one game we played. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I owe you one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, YU is, I'm the biggest fan of YU. I'm so happy that Mike is there and Coach Steinmetz and everyone's doing such an amazing job. And, yeah, I would have loved to play there. Um, you know, the, the reason that I did what I did was it was really so that whatever anyone who had to beat the odds in their life could could hopefully use it as an example. Growing up and everyone saying it's impossible for you to play Division One basketball, can't play on the Sabbath. I felt like if I proved that 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 was possible and I did it, hopefully that could inspire someone else. That was my. motivation it wasn't even about the goodness to the world um you know that was my motivation so you know, that's why i did what i did but now looking at what yu's doing and everything it would have it would have been a dream to, to play there and i'm so proud of what they're doing and it's so hard to win 35 games in a row it, it's like it's so hard to do that and they're winning them on the court and they're winning them off the court and they have great leadership and it's just it's just a blessing to, to see what we're able to see so one of those leaders is you, Mike. Uh, take us through your experience going to YU. And, uh, you know, you've been talked about in the New York media, really the Jewish media. The reason I got to Mike was I saw an article in the Jewish News Service last year. And uh, Mike was, you know, the Tamir Mike story. I reached out to you. Your email was at the end of the article. And you told me you couldn't come here yet because you were busy. I said, what are you busy with? I said, oh, I'm working at Camp Ramah. I mean, your story is unbelievable. And I know you got that job from Tamir. Um, back back in the day at Camper Mount Poconos, a shout out to Rabbi Joel Seltzer and the community there. Um, what's it like going into YU and YU is not a bad team anymore. YU is a good team. What's that been like? Uh, it's been a lot of fun to say the least. Um, and I think most importantly, um, I think it's the culture that Coach Elliot Steinmetz has built. Um, like everybody's bought in to not only obviously the X's and O's and stuff you see on the court is, you know, that's just great. But I think the off the court stuff where guys hold each other accountable uh, if there is a guy that's not getting minutes, his energy that he brings to the practice, his energy that he brings off the floor is just amazing. It's everybody's just all in it for one one thing, and that's to win. And I think that that's hard. You know, Amir, obviously, you know, too, like being in playing in different teams, you always have like the guys that's not playing their, you know, their energy can bring down a locker room and all that type of thing. So just having a group that just won it for each other. And uh, it's, it's amazing. Um, I, I think I'm going to give you an example. Uh, last year, we were in the middle of a game, and one of our starters got pulled, like, right away because I guess he wasn't playing well, and they put in somebody else. And watching him, and it blew my mind. I wasn't even focusing on the game. Watching him for the rest of the half be, be this guy that just up for him, his loudest cheerleader, standing up the whole time rooting for him, wanting him to do well. I was like, wow. You know, because, like, times I play, places I play basketball, Guy gets taken off the court, he's mad. He's not champion when they took him out. So just seeing that culture being, you know, being developed has is, is, been amazing. It's been a lot of fun. And just actually watching the community, having everybody so excited about YU basketball. Everywhere I go, I, I hear questions about it. So it's been a lot of fun. And actually, you're not only doing YU, but uh, last year you were with Ramaz, which is also amazing. And uh, you came out here for the tournament, and you're like, these kids, I don't know how I'm going to make it through the season. And then a couple months later, all of a sudden they're winning games. Um, yeah. I want to actually focus on the mental health attitude as well of basketball. I know, Tamir, you suffered many injuries that ended your career, but you continue to 
deal with challenges and going forward. And Mike, your story is just unbelievable and becoming a mental health advocate. Um, what is the, where does that, what is, where does the mental health piece and sports come together? Maybe Tamir, you can start if you've dealt with that at all. Well, everyone has challenges in life, internal, um, you know, basketball teaches you to make a lot of shots, to hit game winning shots, to, you know, enjoy, you know, no look passes, dunks, all that. It, it, basketball teaches you all that, but basketball also teaches you how to miss shots, you know, how to react after a missed shot, how to react after a bad call, you know, how to react after a bad game, how to react after being cut, you know, after being released, you know, like there's been times where there was one time where I got cut after an injury that I didn't even have a chance to take my stuff out of my locker. There was all, I went down to the locker room. There was already in my locker while I didn't have a chance to take my stuff out yet. You know, like, you know, there's times where the media doesn't even know what they're saying about you. You know, there's a lot of really hurtful moments, challenging moments, injuries, career ending injuries, doctors telling you're never going to play. And you have to be able to like pick yourself up and take that challenge and turn it into a blessing and realize like, the blessing would have never been able to come out if it wasn't for that challenge. Like in this week's Torah portion, we learn about like Moses taking the tablets and breaking the tablets. And like the question is, why did Moses break the tablets? Doesn't make sense. Why didn't he just put them away somewhere else? Sometimes when you're the most broken and the most shattered, better. And that's what we learned through basketball. And we try to. you know, day-to-day challenges, both mentally and physically, but the official advocate, so I'll I'll let him answer better than me. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, same thing. How did you take those challenges? I know you were extremely down. You've been public about this in a time when really it wasn't spoken about. How have you done that as well? I know Goodman turned challenge into blessing, but is it that easy? Oh, no, I mean, it it definitely takes a lot of work. and I think, you know, me, luckily, you know, at the time I had a supportive wife that, uh, you know, got me through a lot. And I st- still to this day, I don't know why she stayed with me during the times I was, you know, at my lowest. But, um, you know, definitely, you know, you know, when it comes to sports and, you know, athletes and mental health, it's a thing. It's, all, it's always this cliche that most athletes have to be mentally strong and they can't show any weakness. They got to just keep pushing through things and, you know, they can't, you know, can't, they can't experience it. And now I'm so glad it's being talked about. Because now you start to see a lot of athletes voice it. You know, you see Kyrie Irving had to take a leave of absence. Everybody gave him a hard time, but I understood it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I understood it. And all these people, they just put this thing, oh, these players are making $40 million. How can he be upset? Like, no, they're human just like us. Like, you know, they may have a, a loved one that's going through an illness and you can't be there for them or, you know, marital problems, children. They have experiences just like everybody else. So I just think that now that it's being talked about and it's being understood and, and people are starting to accept their mental health and, and doing the work on it. And I'm just, I'm excited of the direction mental health and sports that is going right now because it's, it's accepted. You know, back in 2003 when I was playing, when I was going through it, it wasn't really talked about it like, like that. You know, so I had to suffer in silence because I was scared if I said anything, I'm going to lose my NBA career. So now that guys, they have, you know, resources and it's, it's the open topic, I'm, I'm excited about it. Two more questions, and then we're going to uh, wrap up here because I know it's late in Israel. And uh, Tamir, is there another Tamir Goodman out there? And if there is, what would be your advice to him or her on their journey today in 2020 with social media? I say to be resilient. 
have a healthy self-confidence, take care of your body, take care of your soul, put yourself in a situation to be successful, surround yourself with positive people, surround yourself with people uh, that care about you, do as much as you can to have a strong identity, do as much as you can to be involved in acts of goodness and kindness, uh, work, work really hard, society dictate what you can or cannot do. And Mike, what about you? Somebody who's a lottery pick out there, but who might face some challenges that they don't know about it. What's their, what's your advice to them? Um, just to always just self cliche, but just every day, you know, try to find something to be better at work hard, leave it all out there. And you know, whatever happens is happens. You know, you can put all the work in that you want, but sometimes you might not get the results you want. And I think you got to be able to accept that and just keep, you know, just leaving your best out there. Once you, if you leave your best out there, you should have no regret. And, you know, so, that's my thing. Just leave it all out there and just whatever the results are, you live with it. And if they're not your way, then we keep pushing forward. Because one thing I learned when you have adversity, you know, the world doesn't stop. The world keeps going, you know. So if adversity hits, that's, we got to find a way to pick ourselves up and just keep pushing forward. So just keep pushing forward. Rabbi, on the sidelines where friends unite, where the three of us actually have never sat at a table together, but one day, God willing, we'll have our Shabbat dinner, whether it's here in L.A., New York, or in uh, – the land of Israel, um, but most importantly, a uh, moment today where we have heard Devar Torah before our Shabbat of Parsha Kitisa and moments of inspiration where faith and sports definitely intersect. I want to thank Mike Sweeney, NBA Lottery Pick 2003, eighth pick in the NBA draft, mental health advocate, and Tamir Goodman, the Jewish Jordan who continues to make a true impact, not just in our Jewish community and the land of Israel, but all around the world in the sports world. Next week, we're joined by Dave Sims, Seattle Mariners, play-by-play and college basketball analyst for many years. Um, We look forward to seeing you next week. Have a Shabbat Shalom, and thank you, Tamir, and thank you, Mike. Thank you.